As a community, First Baptist Belton exists for the purpose of knowing Jesus intimately, serving Jesus passionately, and sharing Jesus globally. Come join us on Sundays at one of our worship services at 8.30 or 11, and for Bible study at 9.45. We hope today's message encourages and strengthens your faith in God. Happy New Year. I have a question for you. Where are you? You may know that that's the first question, the first recorded question that God ever asked of mankind. Remember the setting? The Garden of Eden. The third chapter of Genesis. God had created man, male and female, in his own image. He had placed them in the beautiful Garden of Eden, where there was every provision for a full, abundant, and meaningful life. They enjoyed constant fellowship with him. There was just one limitation. There was one tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They were not to eat of it. If they did, the consequences were severe. They would surely die. Then the serpent enters the picture. The one we eventually know as Satan. And he tempts Adam and Eve. He says, you won't really die. What will happen is that you will become like God. You can be your own God. And so they succumbed. They yielded to the tempter. They disobeyed God. And immediately, they felt guilty. They were ashamed. And they tried to hide from God among the trees of the garden. And that's when God came among them, as he did regularly. But this time, asking that question, where are you? Oh, he knew where they was. This is not a geographical question. It is a theological question. What God is asking is, where are you in the relationship that we have together? Where are you as to what you were created to be? You know, I believe that God continues to ask that question to us down through the years that he may even be asking today, where are you? It's a good time to consider that question, is it not? I mean, as we turn the calendar over to a new year, 2020 is on the horizon, the immediate horizon. And as we think about entering into a new year, beginning a new phase of our journey, 
Is it not appropriate for us to consider where we are in relationship to where God created us to be? Now, to further pursue that, I want to turn your attention to a text from the New Testament in Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Paul's letter? (laughs) Yes, this is a letter. You know, we don't write letters anymore, do we? Writing letters is an old-fashioned thing. I mean, now we use email or we have cell phones or we have all kinds of social media that we can communicate with. But letters are sort of a thing of the past. But it's interesting that a big slice of our New Testament is made up of letters. Paul wrote letters, 13 of which found their way into the canon of the New Testament. Peter wrote letters. John wrote letters. James wrote a letter. Now, some would think that this letter to the Ephesians, though all of these are Scripture, the Word of God, that this letter to the Ephesians is something special. Samuel Taylor Coleridge, the great poet, said of this Ephesian letter, it is the divinest composition of man. The divinest composition of man. One of our Baptist scholars from the past, Dr. W. Carver, said the greatest piece of writing in history is this letter to the Ephesians. Wow. Have you read it? (laughs) Now, today, I want us to look at just the first verse. Just the first verse. Ephesians 1, 1. You see it there on the screen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Actually, I only want to consider the last part of that first verse. What do we call that in letter writing? That's the salutation. Do they still learn that in school, how to write letters? (laughs) The salutation to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, had you been at Ephesus, would that letter have been addressed to you? Or even now, is that letter addressed to you? Well, it depends on where you are. Where are you? So let's look a little more at who this letter is addressed to. And ask three more questions. And the first question is, are you in Christ? Yes. In Christ. Underlined there. Did you know that this is the most dominant way in the New Testament 
speaking of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. They're said to be in Christ. We are in Christ. You know, the word Christian is used only three times in the New Testament. But this language, in Christ, is used 164 times. 27 times in this letter, in this letter to the Ephesians. So, it is a very prominent way of speaking about who we are as the children of God. We are in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, sometimes the New Testament speaks of Christ in us. Christ in us. We're in Christ. Christ is in us. I think both of these probably mean basically the same thing. And that is that we have an intimate relationship to Jesus Christ. That it is possible for us to have an intimate relationship to Jesus Christ, to be in Christ. What is it that we have invested in Christ? Well, our faith. If you move over to the second chapter of this letter to the Ephesians in verse 8, you remember that famous verse. For it is by grace that we're saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now, you need to understand that saving faith, saving faith is belief. But it's more than belief. It is trust. And even beyond trust, it is surrender. And in the end, it is commitment. All of that is involved in saving faith. Paul really catches it when he says that this letter is not only to those who are in Christ, in Christ Jesus, but who are what? Faithful in Christ Jesus. You know, that kind of puts a new dimension to faith, does it not? Faith results in faithfulness. Faith is a living faith, a working faith, an active faith. Faithfulness. That's a covenant term, you know. Faithful. We are in a covenant relationship with God. And that's akin to marriage. You know, two people join together, a man and a woman, make a covenant with each other. They make promises to each other. They promise to be faithful to each other. Now, that means, of course, that they do not stray after any other like relationships. That this relationship of marriage is something special and unique. And our relationship to God is something special and unique. Now, we know that God is always faithful. Ah, we sing it. Praise is thy faithfulness, O God, our Father. There is no shadow 
of turning in thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever shall be. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, to me. The question is, are we faithful? Are we faithful to our covenant God, to our covenant Father? To be faithful, now let's put it on a practical level. To be faithful means to be faithful in a lot of ways. You see, our relationship to God is is not characterized only by church attendance or identifying with good people or wearing the name Christian. Rather, it is faithfulness, faithful in worship, faithful in stewardship, Faithful in service. Faithful in witness. Are you in Christ? Are you faithful in Christ? This letter is addressed to those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you have been a recipient of this letter had you been there long ago? Would you be a recipient of this letter today? Let's move on to another question. Are you among the saints? You see, this letter is addressed to the saints. The saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Oh, yes, that's a favorite term of designation for Christians. With the Apostle Paul, he refers to them as saints. He addresses his letters consistently to the saints in a particular location. Are you a saint? What is a saint? Well, I think a biblical saint is one who has been set apart to holy living, to God-like living, if you please. A saint is one who has been adopted into the family of God and who bears the marks of that family. A saint is one who God has set aside and put his stamp of ownership on. Really, in the New Testament sense, saints are not a special category. All believers are saints. If you are a child of God today, you are a saint. That doesn't mean we're always saintly, does it? But we're saints because God has sanctified us. He has set us apart. But this letter is not addressed to an individual saint. Uh, It is addressed to a company of saints, a particular group of saints who hung out in this place called Ephesus. It is written to a body of saints. When I say, are you among the saints? I mean, are you in fellowship with the saints? Ah, that word koinonia. That's the word, the Greek word from which we get fellowship. Are you in fellowship with it? It's a strong word. I sometimes think it is just as strong as the word ecclesia, which we translate church. Fellowship. 
Actually, in the book of Acts, the followers of Jesus were called a fellowship before they were called an ecclesia. A fellowship. It, it suggests a close relationship among believers. A family-like atmosphere, if you please. Do we still call each other brother and sister? I grew up with that. Oh, that's a meaningful way to identify with our fellow believers. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. You know, such a strong relationship is suggested here that at one point Paul says, we are members one of another. Huh. We're members not just of Christ, but we're members one of another. So to be among the saints is something to be seriously considered. Ah, to have that sense of fellowship in the family of God. Where we love each other and we serve alongside each other and we work together in promoting and achieving the cause of Christ in this world. Ah, to be a saint, to be among the saints. I'm a veteran of the United States Air Force. I'm a proud veteran. When I was in the Air Force, we would, uh, on the first Saturday of every month, we would gather on the parade grounds, and we would get into formation, and we would march, and the band would play, and there was a reviewing stand there of our superior officers. I loved it. I liked it. I mean, I like marching. Now, the fact of the matter is, tall, long-legged, long-strided guy like me, I had to kind of work on marching. <laughs> I kind of had to adjust my step, if you please. But I did it. I learned it. And uh, I liked it. You know, I like the old song, it's not in the hymn books anymore, not anything I've seen lately. When the saints go marching in, are you familiar with that? I like the beat. I like the beat. You want to turn me on musically? Put on a Sousa march. <laughs> Semper Fidelis. Washington Post. The stars and stripes forever. It makes my blood circulate a little bit faster. The march. And that picture. Do you get this picture of the saints? When the saints go marching in, when the saints go marching in, marching upward to Zion, we are the beautiful city of God. Now, if I'm going to march in with the saints, I need to be in step with them down here. <laughs> I mean, I need to be lined up with the saints. Information with the saints. I need to practice with the saints. I need to be in fellowship with the saints. So, are you among the saints? You see, this letter would have been read in a setting 
perhaps like we have this morning, probably not this many people. But to a fellowship of saints, this letter would have been read, perhaps. And they would have felt the kinship that they had with each other and the authority of the message of their relationship to Jesus Christ and their relationship to one another. So, are you in Christ? Are you among the saints? I have one other question. Are you at Ephesus? This letter is addressed to those who are in Christ. It is addressed to those who are saints. It is addressed to those who are at Ephesus. Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a great city in Roman times. A great city. One of the great cities of the Roman world. Jean and I had the privilege a few years ago of visiting what is left of the Roman city of Ephesus. It had a theater that seated 25,000 people. I mean, an amphitheater, an open-air theater, where they pride in showing you how good the acoustics are. And they're good. Even more significant than that, perhaps, for the city was the Temple of Artemis, the Roman goddess on a hill just outside of the city, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Oh, we browsed around there in Ephesus. It's eye-popping. It's mind-blowing. Some of you perhaps have been there, but if you ever get a chance to go there, you need to do it. Ephesus. Are you at Ephesus? You know, in the heart of that city, back then, there was a church, a fellowship of saints, if you please. Not a building, but a church. You know, my definition of church is not anything really original or special, but I say it's a God called fellowship of people who believe in Jesus Christ and are on mission for him. And that's the kind of people that were there at Ephesus. That's the kind of people that received this letter at Ephesus. Well, I'm sure that you have thought by now, preacher, no way that I'm at Ephesus. Let me tell you something about this letter. Something rather unique about this letter. Where it says in that verse at Ephesus, there's some of the ancient manuscripts of this letter that leave that blank. Yes. Now, the one that found its way into the canon is the one that says at Ephesus. And it has some personal references in there which refer to Ephesus. But the main body of this letter may well have been sent to, well, let's say Philippi. But Corinth, or to Thessalonica, or to a number of other places. I'm sure 
that others had this letter, the body of this letter, this great letter, other than just the people at Ephesus. Gee, it might have said to the saints who are at Belton. Oh, I don't think Paul had us in mind (laughs) when he wrote that letter. But I think God had us in mind when he inspired Paul to write that letter. So that this letter, yes, is to us today. It is for us in the place where we are, which is not named Ephesus, but nevertheless is an outpost of the kingdom of God in this world, a church, a fellowship of saints. And when I say, think about the significance of this, Paul was writing to a strategic church, to a group of people who were involved in a ministry in that pagan, pagan place. And so the question becomes, are you not only at Belton and at the First Baptist Church of Belton, but are you at your post, your place in the First Baptist Church of Belton? In other words, are you situated where you need to be? Have you discovered your gift? Are you exercising your gift? Are you doing what only you can do? Are you making a difference that only you can make? Are you at your post? Are you at your evidence? In the service of God. I have a sister named Betty. Some of you know her. She's in an assisted living facility now, but she's a member of this church. Now, Betty is an expert jigsaw puzzle worker. Okay? She's a master at jigsaw puzzles. I put her up against anybody. I mean, she can find the pieces and place them where they need to be to make a beautiful picture. I visit with her once in a while, and I will look around and try to put a piece in, and she puts a dozen in while I'm thinking about it. (laughs) But you know what is disappointing sometimes about jigsaw puzzles? (laughs) Coming to the end, and a piece is missing. Our pieces are missing. It happens. I mean, if you think of the church as a beautiful picture, the beautiful picture portrayed like in a jigsaw puzzle, and there are pieces missing. I mean, people are not in their place. And the puzzle, therefore, is imperfect. Unfortunately. Well, now I have a better illustration than that. You know, Paul's favorite metaphor for the church is the body of Christ. And he says we are all members of the body of Christ. And when he uses that word member, he doesn't use it in a way to say your name is on the roll. 
If you're a member of the body of Christ, you're a moving part of that body. So this body, it has hands and it has feet, it has arms and it has legs and so forth, eyes and ears. Are you in your place in the body of Christ? You know, it is unfortunate when the church is limited because there are limbs missing and there are organs missing. Now, I know I'm speaking idealistically. I know that no church is ever as whole as it really has the possibility to be. No church is as healthy as the New Testament design for it to be. So let's just forget about that. The question is, are you in your place? Are you at your post? Are you at your Ephesus today? The place that God has given you to serve. The place that God has given you to make a difference. Are you there? Okay. So this letter is addressed to those who are in Christ. To those who are among the saints. To those who are at Ephesus. So as we look to beginning another year, what I'm asking you to do today, what I'm asking all of us to do today, is to evaluate our situation, to heed the question, where are you? Are you faithful in Christ Jesus? Are you among the fellowship of the saints? Are you at Ephesus, your Ephesus, your place? Well, let's think about it. Meanwhile, we're going to sing an invitation. And I think Brother Jason is going to come and stand here at the front. And I'm going to say to you this morning, like I always hear Brother Andy saying, if you're here today, and perhaps you've come here visiting with somebody else, you've come here maybe just visiting church today, whatever it is, and you've never really given your heart over to Christ, over to Jesus Christ. You're not in Christ today, in other words. This would be a good time to put your faith in him. And so I'm just going to say to you, as Brother Jason stands down here, and we sing this invitation to him, that you come forward, place your hand in his, and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. We do all need Jesus, you know. Let's stand together as we sing our invitation. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer 
or if you just want to talk to somebody, we're here to listen. If you would like more information, visit our church website at www.fbcbelton.org. We're located at 506 North Main in Belton, Texas, and would love to see you soon.